Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com shows one season at a time. I'm Damask Leary and Broad can't be with us, so I am joined by the magnificent Lauren Dijon. Oh, here she is. She's back, folks. I'm back. I'm sorry. <laughs> and today we'll be discussing season one of The Handmaid's Tale. How are you, Lauren? Yeah, I'm pretty good. It's yeah? Pretty, uh, it's You're pretty not nice traumatised? Oh, look. Um... It's been a while since I've watched it, so I've recovered yeah. a little, but yeah. I feel like this is going to induce a bit of PTSD. Things are going to come back, aren't they, in yeah. flashes, I think. Yeah, it's going to yeah, come up, I but it's that. okay. We've got some uh, wine to help that's us true. It. So if you hear some clinks in the background, that's just because we're super trashy. We've got ice cubes in our wine, so it's, deal with it. It's 31 degrees today. Yeah. So it's time for our spoiler warning. On this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one of The Handmaid's Tale. So before listening, we recommend watching all of season one. If you have not done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. All right, facts and figures. The Handmaid's Tale is a Hulu drama based on the very successful novel of the same name, written by celebrated author Margaret Atwood. The television series is created by Bruce Miller and produced by author Margaret Atwood and star Elizabeth Moss. The Handmaid's Tale first aired on April 26, 2017. The show stars Elizabeth Moss, Yvonne Strahovski, Joseph Fiennes. Is it Fiennes or Fiennes? Fiennes. Fiennes. Yeah, I got it right. Swoop. Alexis Bledel, Madeline Brewer, Anne Dowd and Samira Wiley. All right, and now it's time for the story rundown. Here we go. Offred joins the Waterford household. She is their new handmaid and hopeful surrogate to their future offspring. She is demure, restrained, the perfect handmaid. That is, until we hear her talk directly to the audience, calling the situation out for what it is. Totally fucked up. Once a month, the handmaids of the new American nation, Gilead, are subject to a religious ceremony, one in which the commander, a high-ranking male in the new society, attempts to impregnate the handmaiden, while his lawful wife holds down the woman. This horrific premise is only highlighted more by the mundanity with which it is executed. This is everyday life. Offred is first educated about this new way of life, this new ordinary, at the Red Centre. This is a place where fertile women are taken, broken down and beaten by older women called aunts. And while this is a harrowing place to be, Offred, previously known as June in her former life, sees her long-lost best friend Moira. She too has been captured by the ruling forces and brought to be re-educated about her moral obligation as a fertile woman. The two women find solace in one another and eventually concoct a plan to escape their fate. But sadly, only Moira is successful. 
As a train approaches, Moira is dressed in an arts uniform she stole, and June stands in the uniform of a handmaid. Army officers approach the red cloak of the handmaid and ask her a series of questions. This is Moira's only chance to escape, and with an approving nod from June, Moira takes her chance and breaks free, watching from the train window as the black suits of the guards envelop her friend. Back in Offred's current day predicament, she is stuck in a household with a pious husband and wife. Offred finally makes a friend in a new life, a fellow handmaid called Offglen. She is what's known as a gender betrayer in her former life, and the women bond over the fucked up nature of where they are. Offglen reveals to Offred that she is part of an underground resistance called Mayday. And while liberation is far away, it gives Offred something she hasn't had for a very long time, hope. That is until the very next day when Ofglen has mysteriously disappeared and has been replaced by a new handmaid. The mistress of the house, Serena, sees Ofred as nothing more than an inconvenience. Selena is smart enough to realise that her husband may be sterile, and in her desperation for a child, she gives Ofred to her driver, Nick, to impregnate, and so begins a secret sexual relationship between the two. Meanwhile, the husband, the commander, is looking for connection. He lures Offred into his office at night without his wife's knowledge. He beckons Offred to play a game of Scrabble. It seems innocent enough, that is until the commander's affections become more and more obvious, putting her life at risk. As she tries to navigate the dangers in her home, she's reminded of the consequences in Gilead when Offglen, who now has become of Stephen, returns. She was captured when it was discovered that she was having a sexual relationship with a Martha. She was witness to the Martha's hanging, and then she underwent her own punishment, genital mutilation. Offred is glad to have her friend back, but horrified to discover what was done to her. It reaffirms to her the true depth of evil in the men that control Gilead, including the man she plays Scrabble with every night. One of these nights, when Selina is away from the house visiting her mother, the commander takes Offred out on what can only be described as the most fucked up date night ever. He smuggles her across a few borders and into an establishment filled with women called Jezebels. This place is for powerful men to fulfill their desires with women who have been discarded from the handmaids and other factions. As Offred takes in the sights of the men that have helped suppress all of her wants and desires, actively indulge their own, she sees a familiar face. It's Moira. It turns out she didn't escape after all, and when posed with the option to either die in the wastelands or survive as a Jezebel, she chose life. As time passes and Offred sees more and more handmaids crumble around her, she reaches her limit. She reaches out and tells Mayday that she wants to help. She convinces her commander to go back to Jezebel so that she can pick up a package. Fred thinks he has outsmarted his handmaid and arranges a meeting with Moira. But that isn't why Offred is there, and she lets Moira in on her secret. She's working for the resistance, and she needs Moira's help. This little reminder of independence reinvigorates Moira's fighting spirit. And while she first responds in fear, eventually she sees that life without hope isn't worth much. She sends Offred the package and then Moira runs away for the second time. And this time has much better results. She manages to make it all the way to Canada and reunite with her friend and Offred's husband Luke. Back in Gilead, Serena discovers her husband's lustful interactions with Offred and she flies into a rage. But quickly she also discovers that the rendezvous with Nick has been successful and Offred is pregnant. Serena saw how quickly things can be turned against her after seeing Janine take her daughter to the edge of a bridge and threatens to kill her. Serena is taking no chances with her own child. She takes Offred on a journey to an orphanage. While Offred sits in the car, Serena parades her daughter, Hannah, around. She lets the handmaid know that if anything happens to the baby in her belly, then something very terrible will happen to Hannah. 
Serena is fucked up. With her hope diminishing once again, Offred opens the secret package meant for Mayday. It is a collection of letters, each written by a different handmaid. They say their name, they speak about their families, their lives, and they plead with the reader not to be forgotten. The very next day, all the handmaids of the town are gathered to perform another one of their duties, to execute criminals. It is Janine, the handmaiden, that attempted to kill her baby after suffering one too many atrocities. But the girls, her sisters, will not erase her. They will not erase one another. And so they go home, triumphant. I ought to be terrified, but I feel serene. But there is a type of hope, it seems, even in futility. As Offred, or June, I should say, is put back in the back of a black van, she tells us that she tried to change the world, even just a little bit, for Hannah. The end. Nice one. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Um, so, generally, I try to put a bit of a humorous spin on those. Yeah. Didn't feel appropriate for Handmaid's no, Tale. I agree, I agree. I mean, you could, but it just, it's too fucked up. Yeah. I mean, the, the foundation of this story is about, you know, sexual servitude. So, <laughs> it doesn't really bring the lulls when I think about it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, no, I haven't read the book. But you have. Yeah, I have. So were you looking forward to the TV adaptation or like did you like the book? Were you oh, interested? No, yeah, I, I, um, I like Margaret Atwood at God. Don't even know her name, mate. Yeah. Aunt Margie. <laughs> Margie Addy. We're, we're tight as. Um, that Woodster, yeah. No, I'm a big fan and I really do like The Handmaid's Tale and I was looking forward to it, to the series. Yeah. Because I don't know, it, it already seemed like it fit, you know, it's, She's pretty cinematic the way she writes, I right. guess. It's kind of wor- creating worlds. Right. Did she write all the time? Oryx and Crane? Yeah. Yeah, right. Which is a book you bought for me for Christmas. I still haven't read it, but oh, I will. You read I, it. I know. It's great. I know. I know. I'd love it. I just, yeah, he's got the time to read. Yeah. Um, but you no. Know, I, if I, you I, like uh, books about sexual servitude, I fucking love it. got a little bit of it. It's not completely about uh, that. But, oh, just um, a little bit? Just a taste just, of just, sexual just servitude? A touch, mm. Just here and there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how I like my sexual servitude. Yeah. Uh, just a touch. <laughs> yeah, no, anyway. I, I read the book and I was looking forward to it um, and I reckon it served it up pretty damn well, in fact. That's what I've heard from most people that have read it. They yeah. either like it just as much or even like the TV show more. Oh, yeah, Because it kind of dives into... I think like, it helps a lot that the author was heavily involved yeah. in it and... I feel like that's always a generally a good sign when the author's like happy to like participate in the creative process. Yeah. As opposed to like kind of being taken away from them a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Like yeah. it almost seems like it was, yeah, it's like a 2017 update of that story. Mm. Um, and to be honest, it, it, there wasn't much that had to be changed. The biggest change really is that um, in the novel, Gilead is all white. Yeah, interesting and choice yeah. to do that. Yep. Yeah, I think it was a really great idea to abandon that and as much as like i think that that would be possibly more the reality actually i was talking yesterday about like the fact that we should it might be a good idea to give like white supremacists like their own state well i mean if the south wanted to like secede yeah. in america i feel like a lot of northerners would we, be okay like, with that ahead. it's like have it clearly we have very different ideas of right and wrong yeah um and what's you know civic duty entails yeah. so we have very different values. Maybe it's time to cut the cord on that one. Yeah. Maybe they should have been It'd allowed be to do that a long time ago. It would be an experiment just to see how they actually decide to 
run a society like if they actually have White ideas or not yeah like if they have ideas about how to run stuff rather than just complaining about all like all the minorities people of color their taking their jobs and, yeah like watering down their culture do they actually stuff. know how to create jobs yeah <laughs> <laughs> something tells me no yeah. <laughs> um something tells me they're not coming from a place of logic so they're probably not great city yeah. planners amazingly <laughs> enough <laughs> Alrighty, so do we want to get into our five-word summation? Oh, yeah, okay. You ready? Do you want me to go first? Um, oh, okay, I'm ready. Either, oh, well, you know, if, yeah. I mean, you're the guest, so I'll let you go. How about so, that? So, all right, thank you. Um, <laughs> thanks very much. It's very respectful of you. Mm, that's me. My, so I've actually got a four-word summation. You can't, you can't do that. You can't have four words. You have to have five. It's not five or less. It's specifically five. Oh, really? Yeah, it has to be. Okay, so yeah, you, okay. Yeah, you got yeah, it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, OMG, it's terrifying. Peak screen. Peak screen? Yeah. What's peak screen? Like, this is as good as screen gets, <laughs> like film or television or like web series or anything. I think anything. that is the most nonsensical <laughs> five-word summation yep. we've yet to have. So, congratulations on that one. Let's That's just great. have it again, shall we? Yeah. OMG, it's terrifying peak screen <laughs> that's great i feel like that's a text that i would get from like my dad i was like dad, what does that mean it's got weird numbers in it and just yeah, like yeah. bad spelling yeah great all right sorry what's yours my five word summation is standing ovation for everyone concerned here here <laughs> i'm sorry mine just sounds boring after fucking your one. You really took us on a journey there <laughs> with yours. I'm sorry. Just because, like, I, I love this show and I just want to give everyone a standing ovation. It's kind of That's to lovely. the point, really, isn't That's it? That's good, yeah. yeah. What did you like best about it? About the show? Yeah, like, what made you want to jump out of your seat into a standing ovation? Visually stunning. Mm. So well written. Performances out of this goddamn world. I think Elizabeth Moss is just incredible to watch. Isn't she crazy? She's so good. She's you know, I found out halfway through watching mm. that she's a raging Scientologist. <laughs> a raging? <And> yeah. <laughs> she's, she's like so Scientologist. I mean, she's not Tom Cruise wa- level of raging Scientologist. Well, but no. Well, she she walked out of... Um, uh, uh, she, Leah, walk <laughs> she walked out of Leah Romani's acceptance speech when she won for her documentary about oh, Scientology. Really? She walked out of that. Speech. Have you watched that? I've watched. I've watched some her of it. TV show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, look, it's great content, but it's annoying format. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's a good way to put it. Yeah, really, really good content. Mm. Important content, I would say. Yeah, very important stuff she's doing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I found that she was a Scientologist half, literally halfway mm. through, being completely like immersed and enamored in watching this show. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't think I can go back and watch it as, with the same eyes. And we, mm. I flicked it on again. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm back. I'm here. I yeah. completely forgot about it because she's such a great performer. Yes, she's an incredible actor because um, I've heard a couple of people have a, a similar complaint or concern about her being a Scientologist and obviously Scientology is pretty fucked up in its opinions about gay people. Yeah. Um, and whether, like, someone who's practising Scientology agrees with that or not, in like you know L. Ron Hubbard's thing, he he considers homosexuals perverts on in the same league as like you know pedophiles and yeah. that kind of thing. So it's pretty fucked up, and that obviously relates to things that are in Handmaid's Tale about gay people. And oh yeah, totally. All that kind and of stuff, stuff about c- around controlling births and things yeah. like that, which is 
not all right. Yeah. I, I am um, hesitant to uh, put down someone like Elizabeth Moss for being a Scientologist. Similar in like, the same vein as like Leah Remini because they were born into it. Their yeah. families are in it, you know, whereas someone like Tom Cruise who like as an adult has stepped into it um, and has done nothing but benefit from um, the subjugation or mistreatment of others. That's a that's a different issue. Yeah, look, I mean, just the fact that I, I know and like Elizabeth Moss for a long time before mm. finding that out I feel is significant because it's, she's not obviously like touting it around yeah. as part of her public image and I respect that mm. part of it. It doesn't mean I like, – no, I still think it's absolutely insane – yeah, to be part of that organization. I'm, yeah, I yeah, that's the thing. I consider an organization, not a religion. Yeah, um, and it doesn't seem to add up with being with yeah with this other persona that's like producing amazing mm. progressive uh, art. Well, I think know? that's like that's the fascinating thing about Scientology is that it creates um, a way of thinking a way of approaching the world that allows you to be really successful yes um and so that's probably the side that's allowing her to produce all these incredible things and have you know a lot of gumption and just be like this really fierce powerful woman but there's obviously some compartmentalizing going on yeah in in regards to content the actual content of it because i think if it was just like a self-help course that didn't require you to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars Mm. cool whatever it clearly works for a lot of people yeah but the fact that it's you know destroying people's lives is another story yeah anyway we started talking about scientology (laughs) there it is Woo woo woo. all right so back to handmaid's tale oh that's right we're just talking about how amazing elizabeth moss is and that's one of the reasons why i loved the show yeah well what what are the things that made you go oh i want to go back to and keep watching this it's it's just so beautiful, like the color the color contrast, the color palette mm. contrast between like when they're in Gilead and there's that like blue tinge all over everything, and just it just is so visually beautiful um, and scary and oppressive at the same time, and then and everything is so ordered and designed beautifully mm-hmm. in the world, and I think that's such a smart choice to make Gilead be this like aesthetically pleasing place. It's picturesque, yeah. which is exactly what they want it to feel yeah. like to kind of feed that um complacency in people the acceptance of people to not see the ugliness and just focus on yeah that's everyone's right and got to their like place to, and their yeah, little outfit to have, and so like it's, it's aspirational yes right um it's just the same and it made me think of you know how there's all those stories of like really really young impressionable german soldiers joining the ss because mm. they like the uniforms because they were really beautiful cool. uniforms and they are and that's like if so anyone knew how to dress like it was the, the nazi power party of design it's mm-hmm. just amazing anyway um but yes so the whole show looked really amazing and then in the contrast that with all the like um vibrant and yellow colors of the old world mm-hmm. and how it used to be and stuff it's just like it's so bloody well done and just show all of the crazy shot choices, like there's so many, there's so much symmetry throughout all of the shot construction I think and stuff like that. The work just that, in particularly in those first three episodes, with um, it was Reed Morano and the guy that actually produced, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but the work that they did together to create the feeling that we experienced throughout the season, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And like one of my, like, points here was it was going to be about the cinematography and the direction yeah and just the production style of it yeah i think is 
something incredible. It is so cinematic in its depiction of something, you know, a dystopian kind of, this weird dystopian utopia, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Cause and how dystop- they balance that visually, not only just through story. In dystopias, we're so used to seeing that like cliche of like dusty, so the grotty, yeah. dirty, grimy people mm. and this like washed out colour palette and stuff. And yeah, and yeah, it's just much more menacing when it's happening in a beautiful setting. Yeah. It's 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 much more menacing because while we have the pops of colour of like the teal and the red with everyone's sorry if you're running in the background, it's a dog and a cat falling in love. <laughs> anyway, uh, the the reds and the the teals of the different roles, the, like the everything else is a little washed out. Yeah, it's like these these the pops of color, the the life that's within that is completely wrapped around the roles that everyone is playing. Yeah, which is really interesting and jarring, I think, to watch. Yeah, the way the whole this whole production comes together is. Such a marvel to me. I'm, I'm like, I just fangirl yeah. when I think about yeah, it. Like, it's kind sure. of hard to sure. articulate yeah, um, so how much I love yeah. it and why I love it. Because when you're loving something, you just, you're just loving it. You're just soaking in, it up. Yeah. And taking it in. Yeah, I also love. Like, there was not one performance that I was like, meh. Mm-hmm. It. Oh, there were actually there was one exception <laughs> to that, and I can't I remember mean, when it was. Mm. And it was oh I know who it was the only thing the only time that it fell down was when they were um get they were putting they were getting escaping Luke and June and Hannah mm-hmm. escaping and they meet that guy and he's like you have to climb in the back of the car oh yeah the guy that yeah. knows her mom whoever that guy is mm. didn't buy it didn't buy all. it I didn't buy that and it really stuck out like bloody uh-huh. dogs I did, I, because I everything else yeah. in it was just like. Uh, the whole time yeah right particularly shout out to aunt lydia have you seen the leftovers no well apparently she's in that apparently she's incredible in the leftovers i've heard really good things about that show she is and people were saying that she probably won the uh the golden globe for that role because they kind of dismissed her in the leftovers wow okay interesting Um, that's with janelle maloney is janelle maloney in that in west wing Oh, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't actually seen it. I've okay. just I've got friends that have seen it. Right. Um, but apparently it's amazing. So it's definitely on my list for things to watch. Oh, and she's cool. incredible in it. So we should watch it together. We should. We should have like a, a girls' night, Yay. drink rosé. All right. So one of my discussion points I wanted to bring up was constructing this incredibly complex story in a restrained world because women can't read or write or even speak openly to one another or even to a man Mm. how then do you convey that Mm. in a really captivating way and I think they've done it so expertly the use of narration I think in a monologue it can be so hokey and it's so easy to make it feel cliche and dumb and overdone but the way they do it is incredible The, the the tight focus on her face and we just see like the minute movements of her eyes or her mouth as she's saying yeah. these things and feeling these things yeah. but it, but it's appropriate as well like you said because like she, they 
she is so oppressed. There would, like, there would be no other outlet. No way there's no other way yeah. that she could do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so we so we have that wonderful use of narration and then we also have the use of flashbacks, which yeah. also like I've had problems with just in other shows in the past, like people relying on flashbacks to mm. tell a story when I think maybe there's a better way to do it. I don't feel that way about this show at all. No. I think the flashbacks are really important and they also reflect what's going on in the present, which I think is a really important tie-in when we're mm. using flashbacks in story. And then also we've got music cues. We've got those like yes. modern like songs being used that we've all kind of like know or have connected with being used in a really suppressed society yeah. that you would not expect to hear those things. But obviously it's kind of just conveying the inner world again of Offred or June. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and contrast that with the because it's because there's so much silence mm-hmm. in this as well. So when you hear that explosion yeah. of sound, it's like whoa, okay, that feeling yeah. is overwhelming. Yeah, I, I just think they did an amazing job of using all three of these things because I think it would be a really hard story to tell without them. Yeah, well, I mean, when you know when your source material is first person narrative, oh, maybe it's not to be honest. How could it not be? I don't don't know. Anyway. I'm not a drama nerd like you. (laughs) (laughs) How is that drama nerd? I don't don't, don't know. That's Um, literature nerd. That was my major in university. I should probably be able to tell you. Um, Look, I didn't go to class a lot. I'll be honest Um, with you. Yeah. But, you know, when when that's – let's say say that's what happened. Mm. Um, That, yeah, to to then, like, pull out all that stuff – can sometimes and you know when, when you can really tell that a novel has been made into a movie or a film is often when there's like heaps of like voiceover narration yeah it's either you get you are drowning in exposition like unnatural yeah. exposition or you feel like something's missing and you're not sure what's missing but clearly you need to read like the yeah, source material right. yeah um yeah totally and i think with this story because so much of it is dire yeah. i think it would be Almost impossible to watch oh. if we didn't get her perspective, yeah. her narration. She's if hilarious. We, yeah, she's so funny. The way she like undercuts a lot of what's going around her by just going like, this is fucked. Yeah. You're fucked. You're an idiot. Yeah. Um, like you're a piece of shit. That is so important just for a, a moment of levity. Yeah. Because when I was talking to people about this show, everyone was like, oh, like it's making me so depressed. And like I didn't have that feeling. No. I felt – I like – it's a beautiful story about the resiliency yeah. of a woman, of, of these women who are just continuing in their own little ways to like either survive or actively fight. And so I, yeah, I just like the, res- yeah, the resilient spirit of women was, was what I was getting. I was getting really inspired mm. by terrible things are happening. But when, you know, Alfred's um, narration comes in and I hear her voice, I was like, yeah, what a cool character. Yeah. Well, like I, I, you know aspirational even is even when she's not doing anything mm. just her like surviving is aspirational <laughs> yeah i fucking love this show there's so much gushing in this but i also just wanted to just make note of how many f- like women are involved in the making of this so there's women on screen there's Which women behind the camera right. like that should be exactly yeah. but and like you know it's ridiculous obviously still that i have to keep saying talking yeah. about this stuff like like, like we were talking a lot about of people who are, as well like yeah. look at all the women everywhere a lot of people are like what does it even matter like you shouldn't be talking about it. like we don't want to have to talk about it but yeah. we have to talk yeah. about it so we acknowledge it so it keeps happening it's worth 
it's worth noting. And it's also yeah. specifically worth noting because there are so many names in mm-hmm. those credits, like behind bam, the bam, scenes, bam, bam. going yeah. ahead, like producers, everybody. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, ladies kicking butt. Yeah. I uh, Yeah, I think it's definitely something to note. I think it's really important. And I think it's particularly in the context of what they're creating. I think it's really important to have female voices, female directors, just like a set filled with ladies making a story yeah. that is very much about women, yeah. about the oppression of women, about the inner lives of women and who else is going to know about the inner lives of women but women, you mm. know what I mean? So, mm. yeah, no, I think it's, it's definitely something to acknowledge. Yeah. And So that's like as a, side, as a sidey sort of note, but like back to the actual show, mm. I obviously June is great and I loved her story and everything, um, but when I really started to go – Ah, mm. was when secondary characters' backstories started. Right. And, and that made me also think, okay, this show's going to be totally fine to go into a second season. Like there's heaps to tell here. I, I'm already left wanting more. And I, yeah, like I actually really like the flashback format. I think it's really great. And I remember first seeing it and first being completely blown away with it in Lost. <laughs> season one of Lost yeah. and being like, oh, what? Yeah, I think it can it's so be really cool and really effective. Yeah, because it's so it, – like it's a different perspective on what's happening in the present then. And yeah, well, that's the, I think that's the important thing is like you need a tie-in. Yeah. Um, instead of just like implanting a flashback that feels in or unorganic. Unorganic? Inorganic. 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 Yeah. I studied literature. Let's focus on that. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think there's certainly a way to use flashback. I've just seen quite often since doing this podcast a few times where I've just like, oh, that's just, that's yeah. lazy. It's laziness. Okay. Is what's done it. But, you know, I love it in this show and I've loved it in the past. Lost yep. is interesting because I think, I mean, I haven't watched all of it, but in the beginning their flashbacks were fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm only talking about season yeah. one. Yeah, okay, yep. good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, because I was just thinking, oh, you know what? How, how is this going to go? And then when it got to Serena's story, mm. which is like the middle of the season and the whole thing just suddenly blows completely open yep. and you get her whole pretty much just like shooting herself in the foot, mm. getting involved in this yep. movement. Gosh, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, that, I mean, that was one of my points as well. It was like the story of Serena, right. which yeah, I find yeah. really f- fascinating and just like this uh, women cannibalizing one another that's obviously like in in the say the present day of like what's happening the way they just turn on each other and allow where they witness these awful atrocities happening to other women and allow it to happen they don't put up any kind of position to stop it um so yeah i've got that like that part of serena is Mm. really interesting because you see her slowly breaking we see her that the degradation that she has had to withstand just crumbling her like her insides yeah and we see her in the flashbacks creating her own prison yeah not realizing so having these theories as to how women should act how women should be thinking that she is the exception to the rule Mm. um and then not realizing that she in fact isn't writing the rules and because she is a woman, no man will ever see her as an exception, ever. That moment when he, she's not allowed into the meeting mm. and the uh, the other guy, not um, not Fred, says to Fred, he's like, you know, 
it you know isn't awful like the worst thing is it's our fault because i'm paraphrasing you know we made them think that they could be more yeah that's <laughs> almost exactly what he says <laughs> it's so it's a moment fucked. of just like oh my god <laughs> Oh it's my way gosh. worse. Like we that, gave that them too it, much power. Yeah, it's yeah. way worse that they're taking pity on these it's women. It's like we're dogs that they taught yeah. to walk around. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no wonder they've got, they've got sore yeah. hind legs, the poor I things. Know. Just let them walk on yeah. all fours we again. They'll ad- be better. We made them addicted to chocolate yeah. and now they've got sick and they've yeah. got poor yeah. things. So got got all yeah, no, it's disgusting. Yeah, I, I think Serena is such an interesting character. And I know it's a uh, – diversion from how the character was portrayed in the books yeah because in the book she's an older woman so i i I like that they make serena and june a similar age so it's not it's nothing to do with ageism like oh i can't have children therefore i hate the woman who's in my house who can yeah because she's a young fertile woman there's an element of it's an even playing field, I guess. Yeah. In Serena's mind being like, you know, this this young woman is going to come in and fuck my husband and therefore she's nothing but a slut. Yeah. Because there's no excuse for her. She's just, you know, she wants it. She wants to have <laughs> sex with my husband, which is just another lie that these women tell themselves. They don't sit there being like, oh, my husband's raping this woman. Yeah. It's like, oh, they want it because he's so powerful and yeah. wonderful. And there's that interesting sort of – like in a feels like a bit of an inner struggle going on particularly with this couple because they're so they were like at the start of the movement they formed the movement Mm. and they both seem to have like massive issues with it personally but for like the good of the community they're like continuing to go on with it and it's just yeah i think everyone seem to have their like idealistic idea of how it was going to play out yeah and and then as the reality started to unfold and they would become uncomfortable with it yeah but realize that they had relinquished their power in order to be in this higher position yeah and then the the the, both of them see it as like it's their own personal sacrifice yeah Yeah. (laughs) where it's like oh my god how like how can you see it that way it's (laughs) It's, it's unbelievable. It's just all about them. Yeah. Like, and it's in wanting to create this perfect harmonious world, they've taken a seemingly well-functioning marriage. They seem to have a quite a healthy relationship. They yeah. were both supportive of one another. Um, and they have, by enforcing these strict gender roles, they have created a huge chasm between them. Because they, they are never allowed to view themselves as the same. Yeah. So how could they ever connect on that level? They can't. <laughs> so then they just like – the divide gets bigger and bigger as time goes by. Because mm. they just like stop communicating. Because how can you communicate to your husband if it feels like he's your boss or your dad or your preacher? You can't. No. The, the relationship is destroyed at that point. And how can you connect with a wife that you, f- you have complete – responsibility for like she's your child yeah like she's your ward that you have to look after can't feel like you can't anymore yeah yeah. like the respect starts to be diminished as well it's just yeah they've completely destroyed their own marriage in hoping to like make other marriages other relationships more enriched or how they see it yeah 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 i'd like to get some more more backstory from him yeah i mean it's it's interesting i usually 
you know, you think they're like the villains mm. and when we like dive further into a villain, generally it's a bit like, oh, I don't really care about you. Like take, take me back yeah. to the, the ones I like. I don't feel that way about them at all. I want to know mm. who they are, how they can, how they, how their internal life is going within this as well. Mm. We see like, we see glimpses, but the more and more I see them, the more and more I want to know yeah. about how on earth could you survive in this kind of world? Even when, even if you're powerful, like the toll yeah, that, that must take on your soul a little bit. Having lived, yeah, having lived one way and then completely turning around. Oh God, it's yeah. To, to, that's I mean that's a terrifying prospect of the world they've created. And they mention it in the show, talking about how you know the first generation of handmaids are always they're always going to be the most troublesome mm. because the next generation that comes along, that's the only world they're going to know, and that's terrifying. Because you think yep. of the people most likely to fight and perhaps win a fight is that first generation. Yeah. With that absolute memory of what equality or close to equality felt like, what freedom felt like. And if you take that away from the living memory that's out there, and so we've got generations of people that have experienced nothing but servitude, yeah. how, who can't read, who can't write, how do you inspire them? How do you educate them enough to not only re- rebel, because I think that's kind of that's something natural that comes to humans to rebel, um, but to be uniformed in rebellion, mm. to have a revolution, which is yeah, a systemic rebellion. How like like it just it's just going to get harder and harder. And so the more time passes, and I I, I feel like there's a moment where June kind of realizes that as well the more time passes the harder it's going to be because you know hannah's going to grow up yep. in this world like it's got to be stopped now yeah and they have to be working towards that yeah gosh it's god it makes me sick a little bit it's really scary when you see those little kids in the pink or in their like handmade training outfits yeah it's, it's horrible um i just remembered one thing one thing that i wanted to say about serena is because so the book that she wrote a woman's place mm. is actually like loosely based on this an actual oh really book ah. uh, written by a woman Margaret called Atwood. yeah yeah well it's written <laughs> in two thousand and one and it's written oh, by okay. this woman called Laura Doyle and it's called oh so this is an yeah. idea from the show creators that yeah put this in. yeah oh, okay. that have put right, it right. that have put it yeah yeah no the book wasn't oh, in okay. the novel gotcha, no because gotcha. no, yeah. there's not much of um her um her in the novel yeah right. Yeah, so it's called The Surrendered Wife, A Practical Guide to Finding Intimacy, Passion and Peace with a Man. Oh, my god! And pretty much it's like women stop nagging your man and give him financial control and then you'll be much happier when you return to your traditional role as silent wife. Oh, that that stuff makes me so sick. It makes... And it's... Super popular. But, like, obviously there's a whole shit ton about things like that that I don't like. Um, obviously the assumption that women can be fulfilled by domestic work and that's it, as if, like, the feminine mystique wasn't a phenomena that <laughs> a whole generation of women fucking experienced and, yeah, started the, you know, sexual revolution and, you know, women's rights movements and all that. But also this idea that men, for some reason, want all of the responsibility in the world. Yeah. Ask every man, 
you know, I can't speak for any other country, but in Australia, if they want to take on all the financial responsibilities in their house, <laughs> I fucking promise you they don't. <laughs> all right. It's not even possible anymore to have a single income family. No. So the family plan doesn't even work anyway. No. God, it's just so dumb. It's like stuff. It's so simplistic and dumb. It's, uh, and it's yeah. people like that who refuse to like look at the complexity of like every individual person. It's just fucking lazy in my opinion. Yeah. They're lazy people. It's, hor- it's horrible. But I love that they put that in the yeah. show though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, it's like, yes, writer, look what would actually happen. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't be writing any books now, would you? You idiot. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So I've got another little talking yep. point if you're ready to move on. Yeah, yeah, go So ahead. I've got femininity and sexuality as power. And it might seem a little strange in, you know, a story that's really about the oppression of women. But I love how while that is happening and women are either they're infertile and they're kind of these matriarchs, these sexless matriarchs, or they're the handmaids, um, completely sexualized, mm. sexual servitude, poor ladies. Um, so we've got, you know, we've got Offred who, while she's being oppressed, embraces what is being used to oppress her in order to like fight that power. Like she uses her body as a tool yep. to... I see what you're saying. Yeah. Manipulate Fred to take her to the Jezebels. She also uses it as a way to express her individuality with Nick. That's the one time where she can be like what I used to be. Like I just wanted to like fuck someone and just fuck and it's just fucking. And it's a space where I can kind of just be. Oh, man, that's super Um, interesting. And yeah, she like – but yeah, like ultimately she uses it as a great manipulation tool mm. with Fred, who is obviously being repressed himself. He's not allowed to be a sexual being anymore. Mm. Sex is just about procreating. Yeah. So I just wanted to have a little chat about femini- femininity and sexuality as power. Because I think... Yeah. I mean, that's all she has left to her. Exactly. Really? She's like, if you're going to diminish me to this, mm. then the grain that you have left me, I will, I will sharpen and I will use it as a tool. Yeah. And like and break down what you're and doing. And Moira yeah. also in the way that she mm-hmm. like she her only choice is to do with like how she's going to she's either become a prostitute or go out to the wasteland. wasteland. Yeah. Like you use what you got and yeah. you do what you have to do, which is and it comes back to another point of like why I love this show because it is about resiliency, understanding that you have limited power if any. It feels mm. like you don't have any. But to find the sliver where you can be like, all right, I'm going to use this yep. to reinvigorate, to empower myself in any way that I can just to get through the day. Yeah. And then taking and the, yeah. taking that and moving it into a forward-moving possible revolution with this Mayday thing, you know, using mm. it so she can get the package, using it so she's in this place where she can have a conversation with her best friend. And, like, really interesting to see that shift from her old life where it doesn't seem like she was a person who used that at all. Like, with Luke. Well, she didn't made, have she's to. Just, yeah, she's, yeah, she's all – they're all chat. They're she's all – She's much more passive. Yeah. Demure, m- more like a – how the people who rule Gilead should – Yeah. They way, think way a more. woman should be. Yeah, yeah, And then but they the more they her a slut – once they, that, once they do that, once they do that, she's like, if that's what you think I am, I'm going to yeah. show you what a fucking slut can do. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. So great. Yeah, absolutely. So great. Yeah. That's why things like, you know, slut walking stuff happen. Cause women yeah. go, oh, you want to call me a slut? Fucking oath. I'm a slut. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Did you have another discussion point that you wanted to bring up? Anything at all? So that there was a bit of debate about whether the show is racist or not. And, and like we said before, I think it's smart to – well, mainly I think the argument that it's racist is because all of the – um, people in power are white. I think that's almost across the board yeah. completely true. Well it, well, it comes into – well, I'm – do you – okay. So, I'm white. Do you identify as white? Yeah. Because your mum's Sri Lankan. I mean, I'm Sri Lankan, but, like, I'm white. I look white. You're white. Um, yeah. You you pass as white. Yeah. yeah. White passing? I don't know. Is that a thing? Yeah. I mean, right. yeah. I don't – Yeah. Okay. I mean, also – I just wasn't sure I didn't want to be. Like, yeah. It's no, I'm, no, I'm white. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm not discriminated against at all yeah. because of the color of my skin. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, because it's interesting. What's more racist, I guess, is it to so you diversify the cast, but you get rid of the racist narrative. As in, by racist narrative, I mean the narrative about racism, or to include the story about racism and exclude people of colour from the cast. Yes, yes. This so, is what I yeah. think – this is where I always find that the lines get blurred between how, how something is received because, mm-hmm. like, first and foremost, this is it's, – it's a dystopia, yeah. right? It's not condoning – any of what's going on it's clearly i would hate to think someone's watching this and be like looks good to me yeah (laughs) um and so you're allowed to tell a racist story without it actually being racist racist. art yeah Yeah. yeah. right Mm -hmm. agreed and that's super important and i think that yeah like you said yeah it's much better to in the real world give you know, jobs to diverse cast and mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. That's actually helping the problem in the real world as opposed to discussing yeah. the problem in art. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think while there were criticisms about, you know, if this dystopia was to come to be in the real world, um, it would most likely be coming from conservative and nationalistic and most likely racist parties or political factions and and so to remove that is to remove the role of race in america which is you know a a big thing i mean it's a big thing here but um 
More so in America. I, 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 I mean, I think so. But once again, I'm talking from the perspective of a white Australian, right. so I'm not sure. So, yeah, I'm, I, I think it's important to have diverse casts, diverse, mm. you know, production crews and, and all that jazz. I think that's really important. But to remove – so in a world where white men have all the power, complete power – does the fertility issue take over in importance than race? So if you have a black woman who is fertile, yeah. is she going to be more important than a white woman who is infertile? Yeah, and Would in they this case, absolutely that's the case. Yeah. And I think that's a, it's actually a really important point because mm. you can clearly see that you know, everyone in power is white and like then for them to sort of – be embracing other race just like kind of to me signals how dire this for mm. infertility situation is. Yeah, and it, you know, with in the show, the the higher ups of Gilead are trying to, you know, create a relationship with Mexico. Yeah. So clearly, the red the racist rhetoric around Mexico, whether it existed in this TV reality or not. It's clearly a non-issue. The most important thing is the world is dying. We're going to try to get as many resources as we can, whether that is through fertility or through import-exports. It's all about survival at this point for yep. everyone involved. And so the racism is just not practical yep. if, if the world is dying. It's, it's simply not. Yeah, so maybe that's kind of – that's why we can kind of let that go a bit. Yeah. But, I yeah, I mean, I think talking about – race and race relations and the impact that has on people of colour is really important. But I also don't think that every show needs to talk about every story. Yeah, and this no. story is not about race. I think it's about female oppression. Yeah. Completely. I think that's what we're focusing on. Completely. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, if you disagree, write in. I'm yeah. And also, yeah. Fully that's open to I mean, being like, educated about. To talk about, to. to talk about race in this story is kind of to miss the point of the story. It's like. Okay, well, like maybe maybe they didn't do their best, yeah. but they did really well in other ways. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like we can always nitpick something. It's like, oh, it should have done this, should have done this. But yeah. if the overall message, one, it's like it's beautifully made art and also tells a really impactful, important story. Mm. Like that's pretty good. That's pretty good and has – um, an interesting and diverse cast. I think that's great. Could they have had more black women? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely they could have and they they should and hopefully in the future we can hope for that. Yeah. But, you know, I think we had a great character in Moira. Totally. A black queer lady, which is great. Yeah. Tick, tick, tick. All right, I'm just looking through my notes. Oh, I've got one more question yeah, you got for one you. More? Mm? How, how, like, real do you think this is? How real do I think it is? How far off uh, conceivable reality? Not that far off, I don't think. It's not, is it? No, I don't think so. I think I worry about the lack of compassion I see from people in my own country mm. towards those suffering. Yeah. Because I think a world that we see in Handmaid's Tale is born from a world that lacks in empathy and understanding. Yeah. And the way that I see um, – because in Australia we have a very big issues, mm. big issues about refugees and we treat them like non-humans yeah. in this country. Refugees, asylum seekers, people coming by boat. I don't, I don't 
care how you want to classify them. Yep. The way we treat them is inexcusable no matter their reason for coming to Australia. So do I think people in my reality could treat others the way the handmaids are treated? Absolutely. Because yeah. I, I see it now. It's you not know, happening to us, no. but it's happening to people. But you know what I was thinking about yesterday when I was listening, I was listening to the radio and so we've just uh, we've just had today the um, – Marriage equality. What do you call it? The yeah, the postal survey. Po- postal survey result come out in Australia, and apparently Australia we're now going to have bills come forward to legalize marriage equality, right? Mm-hmm. And so those bills are being written at the moment, and yeah. I heard was hearing like the content of some of these proposed bills, mm-hmm. and they include things like provisions for pretty much provisions for increased discrimination. For religious groups, For religious to, groups. Con- to, you know, be discriminatory towards gay people. Yeah. The people of the LGBTQI yeah. community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me, I mean, you know, it's, it's of rightly being criticised mm-hmm. for opening the door for discrimination and all that stuff. Yeah. But also there's the support for that sort of stuff too. Yeah. Um, and that's bloody scary. And that reminded me of the scene in the flashback era before – Gilead. Yeah. When um those flashback scenes are really scary. Yeah. To me. When like when Maura and June are out jogging and then they go <gasps> into their cafe and they get called slots yeah. and like we don't their cards we don't, have don't to, work. Yeah, we don't serve you. Yeah. Um that sort of thing. Uh, I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Like they just ref- got refused service yeah. and that's exactly the so sort of thing that's through just legislation. About. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when because I was, I think I was looking at a couple of articles talking about that, in which you know they were saying, you know, it's allowing for discrimination from religious groups, from religions, in order just in case a gay person wants to discriminate <laughs> against, like I don't know some religious person that's baking cakes or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it just doesn't make any fucking it sense to me. It makes zero sense. Also, if I about- walk, if I walk into a store. Just me as a person, yeah. not as a, like a gay symbol, but me as a person. If I walk into a store and I say, hello, um, I'm getting married. Can you please bake me a cake? It's for me and my wife. And that person says, no, I think who you are is wrong. Yeah. I'm, I don't agree with who you are and refuse to give me service. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, just as a person – Anyone who met me on the street, you'd be like, that's really fucked up. Yeah. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. No. That's really, that is mean spirited and spiteful. And there's no reason that they should be allowed to do that. Of course not. Because no. it's a terrible thing to do. It's horrible. Like, it, that actually is a case where it's a slippery slope, right? Like, because they talk about, like, um, opposition to marriage equality, talk about mm. it being a slippery slope to, like, you know, you'll marry your dogs or yeah. that sort of thing. But, that sort of discrimination legislation is actually a slippery slope and that's kind of what we see in The Handmaid's Tale yeah. where their, you know, their freedoms are being eroded bit by bit, bit, by bit and then all at once suddenly mm-hmm. in a big flood. Yeah. And that it's and yes, in the story it's by coup, like it's like organised terrorist attacks like specifically yeah. to, to push this legislation mm. through and stuff like that. But, but that's how it happens. I mean, that's how it happened in, you know, Nazi Germany. Yeah. It's like there is... There are things to create fear, a fear-based society that then allows for extreme legislation to be pushed through mm. as, you know, being 
as as a precaution in case something happens. It gives people power that necessarily wouldn't have power. Yeah. And then they use that power to fulfill their own agenda. That's exactly how it fucking happens. It happens every goddamn time. I think we're seeing it happen again. And it's terrifying to watch yeah, America. I'm very fucking scared for you. Pendulum swing. I, I yeah. like I literally am crossing my fingers that America has another election. Because I'm not sure that you will, but who knows? I hope you do. Yeah. I hope you don't end up with him and his family forever because oh God help you. Oh, my God. God help you all. I was going to be like, oh, I hope you know, someone listening isn't a Trump supporter. Yeah. As if they would be. Like Fuck off. That, that and also then that mixed with um, like the, inf- the fertility crisis mm. in this thing. I'm yeah. just like, whoa. Like that's – like that's a real thing. Yeah, I don't know the the details of it, but there was definitely some kind of like study done recently that mm-hmm. was that was like actually this is not just anecdotal; it's real. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, and it's it's a problem that's happening, and that that's fucking scary. Yeah. Like it's interesting that you know infertility infertility is an issue, and yet overpopulation is a problem, mm. and obviously that's an imbalance between you know, wealthier nations and poorer nations that don't have access to um, birth control and, you know, general medical help and education and all these things. Yeah. That overpopulation is occurring. Um, Does that mean, like, globalisation is the key? The sharing of resources, the sharing of space? I don't think think that it's – I don't think those things are totally related. Right. Like, I don't think that – I don't think necessarily that like people from poor or developing countries mm. are less uh, are more fertile right. than no, not more more fertile, but more likely to have children and oh, lots of them. Yes, yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. What if some go go take all their babies? Is that what you're talking? Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Right, I've got a, I've got a question, and I yeah, know yeah, we did ahead. watch this a while ago. So yeah. I'm not sure if you remember, but Serena gives June a music box, like a child's music box. Okay, because she went to her mum's, and she comes back, and she just gifts her this music box that Serena had as a child. Right. I don't know what, what it means. I've like I've don't. I'm like, is it just further evidence that the handmaids are seen as children, or is it some weird power play that I don't understand? It seemed like a small token of kindness and I don't know, mm. is that true? Is it manipulative? What What is it? And also, if you don't know, I'm posing it to the listeners. If yeah. anyone knows, they could tell me. I don't know. I guess my my first instinct would be that it was, you know, Serena is, she's complicated, hey? Yeah. Fascinating and complicated, yeah. It might be a combination of true kindness and guild dissuasion and also... Mm. And like you said, like, you know, she's – I mean, I, I think she's genuinely pleased to have offered there and then the fact that she is quite compliant mm. and all that well sort behaved, of stuff. Yeah. She probably does believe what she says when she says that she's very lucky to have her and all that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I was just curious if it was – it's nothing that telling I telling me. It's something nothing that, that I have any particular okay. insight right. into. Right. I just wasn't sure if I was missing something no. or. Right. So my last point, because I think we've spoken about everything else that I wanted mm. to talk about, was the power of words and story in this show, mm. in this series. Because obviously, women are no longer allowed to read 
or to write. Mm. And obviously, you know, Serena, you know, had to give up her career, her own creations, you know, the way in which she shared her ideas with the world. I love the detail in this in the design of it where like in the shops that there's pictures pictures yeah it's great <gasps> it's so, it's just like in the background but it's really ominous yeah so you think oh god they can't read yeah um yeah you know and, uh, and offred or june finds minute moments of joy when she's able to like use her brain like you know form words in her games of scrabble uh what else we got and you know just the message oh my god i only just got that that Scrabble is a oh she's not, she's oh my god it's not pay. just a game it's no. a completely it's, it's a complete very of the rules it's very naughty oh wow yeah. I just got that <laughs> and also you know the passing on of a phrase words written within the closet like don't let the bastards grind you down yeah and expressing like a shared story a common experience yeah and obviously at the end when June has a collection of letters literally written by handmaids. Um, you know, who are all, they're all desperate to share their stories. I mean, that's what the the writing in the closet is. It's like, how will I be remembered? It's going to be remembered in my story. It's going yeah. to be what I've been able to share through the through words. And they're completely deprived of that. Yeah. But I love that Offred or June is able to find power in words still. Oh, I love it. That's so beautiful. Gosh, it's right up your alley. Isn't it, it really and is. And mine too. Yeah, but like, it's really good. Oh my God. The power of story. It's so important. It's so well, like, wrapped around itself. Mm-hmm. I bloody love it. It's there if you want to look for it or it's just a yeah straight narrative that you can yeah. just enjoy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Do you have any other points or comments? Look, I'm, not just, I'm really not sure if I've been able to convey how much I adore If you this. just want to rant and rave, we I can do that. Bl- I just bloody loved it. Like, yeah. it, it's pretty much the best thing. I've seen almost ever and I've said this to a few people mm. and they're like <laughs> no, How dare they? no have they seen it but help like help me like tell me what's better than that like yeah you know tell me what's better, what's than, better that. than that like I'm not saying that other things aren't also good but it does not get better than that I hope that it continues to be as good but I don't even care if it doesn't well you know? I think if all we got was season one yeah. What a feat. Yeah, absolutely. I would happily show it to anyone. Be like, you want to know what's good about TV? Yeah. Watch this. this Here it is. You know what's good in the world? You know what humans can do? Yeah. This. Yeah. You know, I think when I watch this, there's something really cathartic and beautiful about watching a story that is so well done, that is so clear in its message in what it wants to do and so wonderfully executed to see like like this is a master class in how to tell long form story but like it's so clear and concise in its message it's just beautiful it's just i just want to like tell everyone i know to watch it it's the same like a similar reaction i had to glow yeah, I yeah, was like, you totally. want to watch good TV? Yeah, mm, here you go. Here it is. I, and it's happening right now. It's happened this year. I know. Both of them together in <gasps> the same year. It's, <gasps> it's kind of insane. We've been so spoiled this year yeah. for fantastic TV. Yeah. It's, it's and I think like, it's, it's also insane that two of, I think, the best shows of the year are about women made by a shit ton of women. Yeah. 
And it's the same thing and when I watch like Master of None. It's like stories yeah. about minorities written by minorities. Who would have fucking thought there's a story to tell there? Yeah. Oh, wait, every minority, every woman. Yeah. And yeah, and it's not – and what makes it even better – no, it doesn't make it even better, but – you don't need to be a woman. You don't a need woman to be a woman to minority. appreciate that's it. That's not the like, point. That's, yeah, it's because like it's also loved by. So my like my boyfriend also agrees with me about The Handmaid's Tale. Like he mm. like his his face. Like he couldn't even speak. Yeah. Well, that's I mean that's the lie. That's the misconception. Yeah. That is if you have a story that's about a minority, whether it be a person of color or a woman, yeah, or someone who is you know disabled or whatever it is that if you make that story other people who are not that thing will not be able to it won't resonate with them that's the fucking lie and it's an absolute lie of course people if it's a human story if it's about people yeah it's about just like existing going through your life people will resonate with it people yeah. will connect with it if it's a well-told story just the way that everyone back in the day resonated with the Sopranos. But look, <laughs> look, I was in the mafia. Yeah. Personally, not, not me either. Mm. But yeah. I mean, sure. My dad was, he was a mobster, <laughs> but I wasn't. So, you know, it was fresh for me. Was your dad James Gandolfini? He was. Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry to was. hear that he passed yeah, away. Yeah, me too. Oh, no, but seriously, RIP. What, yeah. a, what a gem that guy was. Um, yeah, no, I think, yeah, it's a total misconception that, if it's not about a, a white person, particularly a white dude, that it's not going to be really... As if, though, that is the, like, the neutral the avatar, default. Yeah. the default. It's like, well, that's not right. It's it's such a lie that for whatever reason, a lot of people buy that that is the default. I mean, that's what, what humanity it's, only, is. it's only because traditionally... All like you know, well, they're the people TV that were allowed and to stuff were run by yeah. white men, you know, no, and publishing houses. Yeah, and, exactly. I mean, it's been going yeah. for hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my god, I have to, I have mm. to um send you this brilliant um rejection letter from. So it's a rejection letter written by a publishing house to Herman Melville, rejecting the novel, his novel Moby Dick. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it says, that's amazing. It's it's like ye like fully ye old school, and um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's sort of like we were wondering instead of a whale, could could no. the <laughs> yes no could the protagonist have a particular fascination with say bosomy woman? Oh my god, like that. that's amazing! <laughs> I swear, if they made like. Moby Dick the movie now <laughs> that would be like a producer's note on it yeah be like, um can the whale have big gold titties <laughs> um just like just a real curvaceous gal you know, you know? and um, that, but that bring it up because that's what they were saying it's like we can't relate to this because yeah never been on a ship don't, don't know what a whale know looks like about whales <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing so this shit's been going on forever <laughs> forever and ever and ever oh my god that's so, that's wonderful yeah people have always been dicks fuck them fuck them i say all right do you have any talking about glow talking about mm. how like like the sex in glow and stuff like that and how it was just weird that it appeared and it didn't it didn't anyway. come back yeah. Yeah, yeah there's so much sex in this show yeah. and most of it is awful mm-hmm 
there's so much awful sex and it's, it's really just hard to watch. so fascinating that to use to to see it portrayed that way and like yeah it's like anti-tillation yeah i'm like grimacing just thinking about yeah. it like it makes me like really tense in my body yeah. to think about how awful it is Ugh. yeah there is I'm, a, I, but I, I can't I, remember seeing mm. it done like that before no but i'm glad that we see that oh yeah i'm glad that we see the height or, or the depth i should say the depth of depravity of what this really looks like yeah you know when we have that moment where the men are all sitting in the back of the car while nick is driving and mm. they're talking about how do we convince the wives that you know this is okay it's like well maybe they should be in the room and yeah you know they're just talking about it you know theorizing about like what it is what it could be (laughs) and then we see like we see the reality of it it's it's awful for the wife it's awful obviously for the handmaid no one's having fun who's being raped yeah the dude is not allowed to connect with anyone yeah it's it's awful it is truly awful and we see those close-ups of each of their faces to see the degradation Mm. To, to see the like the loss of connection the loss of humanity it's 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 so well done but so it's, it's incredibly hor- it's hard to watch bloody horrifying for someone yeah. who like just i just love sex and um hot take lauren <laughs> loves sex <laughs> um yeah it was just like that's i found that really confronting we watch time time again you know sexual assault taking place mm. but mm. what is interesting is it removes the overt violence that we often see from sexual assault yeah because i remember when bron and i were doing orange and new black there's Mm -hmm. one season where we see a character get raped not once by twice in one episode and it's like my favorite character get raped twice in an episode and like i hated it yeah i hated what that they did that yeah that i had to watch it um and that they didn't deal with it appropriately um, I didn't think it was necessary. Okay. Here, I think it's necessary. I think it's done well. I think we see the effect it has on everyone, um, most importantly, June. Mm. And I think they tell the story of the effect of it yeah. well, which is yeah. important to do. It's not enough just to show the abhorrence of sexual violence or rape or sexual assault. I think it's really important to tell the story of what it does to people. Yeah. In a really clear, intelligent way. Um, and I think they do that. And so while it is hard to watch, I think it's important to watch. It's important for the story. Um, whereas often in TV shows, it's not the case. I think when Bron and I were talking about it, he brought up a statistic of how many – oh, no, it was a statistic that another podcaster, Joanna Robinson, brought up. Um, in one of her podcasts, which was about, you know, of all like the new shows made, like that fall or whatever it was, how many of them had sexual vi- or just violence towards yeah. women in the pilot? It was like 80% of them. Ooh, it was in- it was an insane number. Yeah. I'm obviously paraphrasing, but it was sure. an insane number. But I feel like in this instance, it's very different. And I don't, while it's confronting, I don't have a problem with the mm. the sexual violence that we see. Yeah. Mm. Alrighty, on that fun note, <laughs> do, we, <laughs> do we want to do quick fire comments? Do you got anything else oh, you want to? I don't have any quick fire comments. You I don't? don't think. All right. Do you want me Sorry. to just go off? Go, go off with them? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So, all right. Here are my quick fire comments. Start the clock. 
So the pink triangle on the gay man's hood when they're hanging from the wall. It's a bit of a Nazi imagery there. Who would have thought how relevant this is today? Yeah, so what? So Jewish people wore the Star of David and gay men or gay women, mostly gay men though, were given a pink triangle upside down. Cool. And on the wall hanging, they have that there. Yeah. Um, So this is a quote. This may not seem ordinary to you right now, but after a time it will. This will become ordinary. That is so terrifying. Like it's such an extreme threat that powerlessness will become normal. I think that's from one of the aunts. It's like that quote. Oh, my God. Chilled me to the core. Horrible. Um, the jellyfish scene, it's a flashback scene with um, Hannah, June and Hannah. Jellyfish scene is stunning. And I was like, who directed this episode? It was Reed Morano, of course, who did like the first right. three. Just stunning visuals. It's never happened before, but in this show, I am very attracted to Alexis Bledel. Which one? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of Glenn? Yeah, uh, Gilmore Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's from Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Okay. Because I grew up, like, I love watching Gilmore Girls with my yeah. mum. And I never really found her attractive. And then I watched her in this. And I think she has aged beautifully. Like, when I see her, like, yeah, crinkly eye her wrinkles. crinkled freckle face. I love it. Holy it does it for crap. me. Yeah. Mm, I love a good freckle She's face. Yeah. All right. And, oh, my God, what a fucking fantastic performance. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Frightening. Yeah. I'm glad she kind of got away from her typecasting, which is good. Yeah. Next one. All right. Everything is washed out except for their clothing colours. They are nothing but what they represent. I think I brought that up earlier. And what do they represent? Well, it's as in like what role they are. So yeah. So nothing else matters except for their so role. So the blue, you know what blue is traditional as being? No. It's like What's virtue. Oh, because like yeah. the Virgin Mary and stuff is often yeah, depicted in like a blue exactly robe. Right. Yeah, it's religious. Totally. It's religious and it's actually colour cause coding. Because I, I remember when I was um, reading articles about that, exact blue is generally used in like yep. paintings to represent the Virgin Mary and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that bit flipped. But once again, production design, incredible. Yeah. J- All right, next one. June loves being BFFFs with a gay. She loves her gays. She really does. Just like me. Yeah, just like you. All right, I love the term carpet munching gender trader. I kind of <laughs> want a t-shirt that says that. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, it never occurred to me that we could lose the right to work and how vulnerable that we that, how that would make us. I mean, I guess that comes from growing up incredibly privileged, but yeah. it just it freaked me the fuck out. I was yeah, like, isn't oh, it? if they took away our right to work, you could, we're fucked. Yeah, you You're fucked then. There's nothing you can do. There's that there's that um, moment when that happens, and then Luke says to June, I'll "Don't worry, you. I'll look after you." And like he means well, mate. I know where he's coming from, but oh. but therefore I need you to yes. survive forever. Oh my oh god. god! All right, my next one is: Do you think the doctor is actually nice or is he a creep? You know, he's like, I could fuck you. Sorry, for a which doctor? Oh, I could fuck you for a second. It only takes a second. Do you think he's actually being nice or is he a creep? No, I think he's being nice. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure, like he gets his jollies off, but I think he's just kind of like, you got to get out of this situation. This is the only way to do it. Yeah, yeah no, totally. I, I totally read that as a tiny, tiny bit of rebellion, and well, and yeah, but yeah. it's interesting that it comes from like a health professional set up in this particular sort of society. But things like he's still like I, I, that actually gave me a little bit of a warm feeling because I'm like, oh, okay, great. So still in this, even in this situation, 
Yeah. Um, this guy is yeah. still like even if primarily, a man even if he feels like he can't do anything else to help you, yeah, he will still, do what he feels like he can do yeah. to help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's totally. right. And and the fact that he's a doctor and he's like, mm-hmm. I can I can see what's going on, even though I'm complicit in the rest of what's happening here. Yeah. I, this is actually, my, this is my one way that I can yeah. help. The women I guess here. what I mean is like it was just a glimpse of the little the the underbelly of what's going on in that society no one's fucking happy yeah no one's happy and no one's talking about what the Mm -hmm. real problem is is which is probably that men are infertile Mm -hmm. so that's all my you had like two that you want to bring up um two little quick nooties i i think it might be actually more for the next segment to be honest let's get into favorite and least favorite episodes so we're going to start with least favorite first yeah. Because I feel like it's nice to sure. end on a positive. Yeah, totally. Um, do you want me to go first? All right. All right. So my least favorite is episode seven. Okay. It's called The Other Side because I really struggle with like the happy family dynamic because in the flashbacks, it's with like her and Luke and the kid and Hannah being all like super cutesy, being okay. a loving family. Yeah. Um, I just find it t- a little too sappy. And I'm just like, do people actually talk to one another like this? Maybe <laughs> I just come from a dysfunctional family. I don't uh, know. But it made me oh, feel like... Oh, is that when they're in the log cabin? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like, yeah. And like, I appreciate seeing what it was, what it would be like for people trying to flee Gilead. Because that's yep. when we see like Luke trying to get out of the situation. Um, but it's such a big pause from like, the plight of those that are left behind and at that point in the series like that's what i'm most invested in like that's what i want to see so like it's not bad i think it's a great episode but i mean if i have to pick a least favorite it's going to be that one because i'm less invested in luke than anyone else i think and i completely understand why you don't like that scene where they're making the cake pancakes pancakes because she's letting the child do it all and she's obviously not doing it right and you wouldn't stand for that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd be like, that's not how you make pancakes, yeah. you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know, I'm a big control freak and Lauren knows that. Yeah, no, I'd be like, no, that's not how you do it. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to educate your kids. It's, yeah, yeah, you got to no, do it. Like, well, well, once I teach you, her, then she'll you, know then how to make who, pancakes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And she will spend the rest of her life making fantastic pancakes. So, <laughs> Look, you make a good point. Thank you. Thank you so much. Do you have a least favourite? Yeah, episode four mm-hmm. was my least favourite. Um, it was the one where, I don't know, she ended up with, where she got organised to have sex with Nick and then uh, she went yeah, and had gross. sex with Nick. And it was the one with the Mexicans, I think, in it as you well. You didn't like that? What about that scene though where they're like... Where, where they paraded the children? No, no, where she's telling the Mexican ambassador what she actually go through, what she goes through. She's like... I lied to yeah, you before. You know, like, I was I don't know. too it much for you. It was too much. Mm, it didn't. It I didn't. Liked it. Didn't sit that well with me, and the whole episode just mm-hmm. felt a bit flat. And it's not really one particular thing. I think it was maybe a structural thing. Okay. Yeah. Perhaps it's, that's that, interesting because the first three were kind of done all together by the same like director oh, and stuff. Oh, really? And then season four on would be kind of <sighs> branch out. So maybe that's what you're feeling. Is yeah. that like the first three was so beautifully put together possibly one kind of succinct thing and then season four onwards yeah we move away that's maybe what you're feeling there mm, yeah mm. cool i reckon all righty so for my favorite mm. episode i've chosen episode three which is called late um <laughs> I mean, yeah. so in the flashbacks we get to see how the nation of gilead came to be and how they seize power like women being fired which that scene kind of like rocks me to my core core and like losing their property 
Um, we also see the first glimpse of the justice system, which is terrifying. Not only that, but we see the kindness offered to Offred from Serena when she thinks she's pregnant. So we have that height of like yeah. all of a sudden she's really, really kind. And then we see how quickly she turns when it's revealed that she isn't, that she is just this thing that lives in her house, which really like affected me. Um, and it just like confirms so perfectly, I think, that relationship, mm. the precarious nature of those women's lives. And one minute, you know, they can be buying oranges at the market. The next they're being hung or mutilated. Uh, you know, it just that, – that episode, yeah. episode three, raises the stakes. So, like, one and two, great beginnings. See, like, and episode three just went, bam, the stakes are so high. Mm. Like, it puts the fire in the belly of not only the characters but the viewer as well. Yeah, and I think it's just a perfect example of – the work that Reed Morano and Bruce yeah. Miller, Bruce Miller, that's the name, do in those first three episodes. Yeah. yeah. I'm just remembering that the other thing that I didn't like about episode four mm. was um, when Of Glenn gets, steals the car and tr- does it. I don't know. You didn't like no, that? No, I didn't like that. Really? Yeah. What didn't you like about that? I think it's not that I didn't want her to come back, mm. but I feel like it was such a powerful full stop her the end of her episode three that then to so soon see her do some act of defiance was just uh, undercut it a little okay that's interesting yeah i i see what you're saying yeah i think i as a viewer needed well i agree it was incredibly powerful and if they left it at that i think i wouldn't have felt anything missing later on Mm. um but i for me, it was nice to see when she comes back, how different she is, how I also just love the moment with her and the, her new, uh, the new wife that she's yeah. in the household with, um, showing some kindness and compassion oh my towards God. her when she just kind that of is just, oh puts my God, her hand on her shoulder. And says like, we can't lie every single yeah, month. Cause the, like oh the wife's God. like, you know, I can say I'm sick again. She's like, you can't say that every month. <gasps> Which I like that scene, and she's playing with the dog. That's actually devastating. Such a moment of it's it's very strange. Such a moment of kindness and despair. Yeah, it's a beautiful scene. So to see that, and then also when she's just like, I can't do it anymore. I can't pretend they're Mm -hmm. not going to let me go. Like clearly, haven't sent her to the wasteland. She's in this spot now. You know what can she do? Fuck it. I'm going to steal a car. I hope you hang me. (laughs) You know, like it's just I'm going to kill him. I'm going to pop that motherfucker's head what do you reckon they do with her i worry that fertile women who are rebellious are not taken to the wasteland and instead are just kind of you know strapped, strapped up down. and raped that's yeah. that's my concern and i'm worried that's where we're going yeah because obviously we've had the rebellion and yeah, the end of the season i'm worried that that's something that's going to happen because they are there's something that they're actively trying to export. They clearly have a huge amount of value. Yeah. They can't be just killing them mm. and sending them off. Yeah. And I think the only reason that they were probably going to kill, you know, the, the I shouldn't use the word, but the crazy one, the one who'd lost an eye, Janine, was one, because she'd already had a child. So that's yep. good. And also because she had tried to then endanger that child. Yeah. That's the only reason they would kill one of them is if they were, you know, mm. going to attack the the new population, mm. I guess. God, that made me feel 
Oh my god. Sick. Just and talking. You're supposed to be talking about your favorite episode. But anyway, yeah, good. Really brought that down sorry. to it. I just had questions, you know. Mm. Do you so talk about your favorite? On to my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> god, I can't wait to shit all over yours. Uh, mm. No, my favorite episode was uh, we've already pr- pretty much talked about mm. it, which is episode five, w- which we learn about Serena's backstory. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was for me. That was the most mm-hmm. interesting bit, and I just I. Yeah, I, I loved that sense of, yeah, opening out the villains and getting their perspective, which made it made it all so much more horrible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was an important step to take. Yeah, but super important. Mm. And I felt like that's when the whole story opened out mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, that was my favourite episode. Lovely. All right. So, now we are down to our final score and ranking. Yo. So, it's out of five, you remember? We can't do a ranking, obviously, because it's right. the first season. Yeah. So when I, because we like Lauren and I watched this, I don't know, like two months, months ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. So we're kind of just kind of scratching our memories to remember the actual show. But I, so I opened up my notes today and I saw that my final score was four point five. Oh. And I was like, huh. that's wrong. Yeah. It's definitely not four point five. It's a five. Yeah. It's totally a five. I think this is almost a perfect season. Yeah. Of television. Completely. Um, for all the reasons that we've been gushing about before, I don't think I need to reiterate them. It's a five for me. Absolutely. Unequivocally so. Same. Five. Yep. Five. This is it. Beautiful. So the next question is, do we want to keep watching? Absolutely. Yes, obviously. And we have predictions, hopes, concerns. I know you had a couple of n- yeah, so points for this. I am so curious about Aunt Lydia in particular. Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. hoped to get her story in season one and I super will be I reckon we will if we don't won't, don't get it in I reckon two. we will because of her global uh, golden globe yeah award she didn't even have an episode she won a golden globe how amazing so is that good. So good. yeah mm. she is god she's an interesting character mm-hmm. super excited for that what else I am I could see that it could go in the, either that like continue with this story mm. with these people I would also kind of be almost happy with them, like having had the letters and stuff at the end, I would almost be happy for them to like just leave those characters all alone and go we off go, to... So it's like an anthology yeah, kind of thingy. go off to another handmade story. Like I would... Do you think you would get fatigued though having, experiencing the trauma with another character that doesn't lead to any type of resolution that... Like I think, freedom. No, but I think it can still be continuing. Like it would be an interesting idea to be a continuing in terms of timeline. Mm. But but still with this ha- this handmade thing, like it could be the next generation, for example. Right. Yeah. Or like, yeah. Or just even six months later mm-hmm. and what keeps happening. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. I would be happy with that too. I think I need me some June. I really yeah? do. I, yeah. Yeah. I really do. I, I'm so – I want to see her till the end. No yeah. matter what the end is, I want to see her journey to the end. Yeah. And if we just got a first season, I'd be okay with that being her end. But yeah. if there's going to be – if you're going to make more of this show, I want it to be with June, sure. I think. Well, because I, what I actually think season two is going to be about is about getting – like rescuing Hannah like somehow. Mm. Like there's going to be more Hannah – Centric kind of stuff, stuff going on yeah. with Luke and Mora trying to get Hannah. Luke and Mora trying to rescue June. I'm not super invested in Luke. I'll be honest oh, with no, you. Oh, me either. Yeah. But like, that's surely the. Though the we, moment when Moira starts crying when he picks her up, yeah, it's oh, beautiful. Like, like, be good. like he's they a lovely guy. Good. Obviously, yeah. he's a good guy. Um, I feel like that's where it's headed. 
Yeah, okay, right. Yeah. For my, under my predictions things, I just wrote, I have no fucking idea. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. I just, yeah. I'm, I mean, I've always been bad at that stuff, but yeah, I, I, I don't really know where they can take this show because I certainly didn't see anything coming this season. I so they can take it anywhere they yeah. want, and yep. that's really great. It's and a really I think great place to be in. I, actually, no matter where they take it, I really trust them as creators that I'll go along with it. Yeah. 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 Totally. All right. Is there anything else you want to? chat about i think i'm done yeah i think i am too my glass is empty i am yeah we need a refill all right folks so if you want to contact us just head on to ye old facebook and search hunting seasons if you want to chat to us on twitter it's at hunting's cast or hunting s cast and if you want to email us, it's huntingseasonspodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter or Instagram at maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Lauren, you don't really have social media, do you? You don't give a shit about that stuff. Yeah, don't worry about that. All right, fair enough. I think um, I forgot to tell you my Twitter story last time. What? I think, I've, I, think I didn't tell my Twitter story on air um, about the reason that – the only reason why I ever joined Twitter – why, why, why? Please tell me. So it was like three years ago and I was watching, um, I was by myself and I was drinking wine and mm. I was watching um, Carols by Candlelight on Christmas Eve <laughs> and I wanted to join in on the like Twitter shaming of it all. Oh my God, <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. why I joined Twitter. <laughs> of course you did, you hateful bitch. I and love I've it. I've never been on it since. <laughs> You should make it a yearly thing, though. It's so that, like, when people look back on your news feed or whatever, it's yes. just Christmas carols or ca- carols by candlelight throughout the years. Like, you've got like five years of just yeah. Carols by I think that's actually a great idea. All right, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, all right, so our hunting season's logo and graphics were done by the lovely Sean Kirkpatrick. You can find him at Sean Kirkpatrick Designs portfoliobox.net and our hunting season's theme song was done by jordan calavas at soundcloud.com slash classic jrex and i just want to ask you all if you could on your podcast platform whatever it may be if you could leave us a lovely review or even share it to your friends family i'm sure your grandma would love to hear my voice every week so please do that we really appreciate it it helps us out a lot All right, I think that's all from us on The Handmaid's Tale Season 1. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Look, it's been a pleasure and a privilege. I mean, I know that, but I just still need to say thank you. I mean, you want to be humble for the people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Earbuds. Melbourne's Podcast Network. EarbudsNetwork.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save 